Hey there, thanks for tuning in to Something New Every Week with your host, me, Jason Group. Each week, I'm going to give you something new that's happening in our photographic world, just some great conversations with my friends, and what's going on right now. Something New Every Week is sponsored by Miller's Lab. Miller's Professional Imaging is the largest professional lab organization in the United States. They provide professional prints and press products for professional photographers in all 50 states and Canada. And they're just a great company. If you don't know them, go check them out, millerslab.com. Howdy, everyone. All right, I'm uh, starting to get a lot better here. Um, voice is uh, coming back, feeling a little stronger, and uh, sitting down getting some work done. So hope you guys are well where you are. And uh, here goes, as uh, I've been doing, birthdays starting off something new every week. So starting off the week of the 13th through the 20th, this week is my friend's birthdays on Facebook. And uh, here we go. All right, starting at the end of the week this week with William Manhart, Kate Malloy, Conrad Krukowski, happy birthday, dude, Kristen Chow Mui, Roger Shackelford, Sandra Dufton, Brian Mercer, Patrick Ole, Pamela Haraida, Beric Bijak, uh, Troy Glover, Georgia Hoyer, Elizabeth Iraz. I know I just butchered your name, but happy birthday. Paul Martin was my photography teacher in high school. Happy birthday, dude. Uh, Elizabeth Hinkle, Kendall Matthews, Stan Liu. Happy birthday. Long time no talk. Jim McCormick, Lena Mills, Marcella Serbin, Michael Zumbaros, David Buckbinder, Ton Henderson, Ty Fisher, Lindsay Lynch, Bill Mellett, Sean Coulter, Stacey Weisfield-Evans, Anderson Chang, Diane Trelford, one of my neighbors here in Missouri and good friends, Paul Wu, Joe Serrata, Bjorn Bayette, uh, Catherine Leonard, Robert Burris, Ian Medina, Tanya J.D., Sky Hampa, Cassie Jones, Brian Newfield, Flint Gennari, Robert Gennari, Chris Mortensen, Christine Marie, Matt Antonino, long time no talk, Heather Nichols, uh, Neckers Kinnell, Sam Wong, Corey Shelton, Olga Levovid, David Salamone. Oh, that's a name I haven't seen in a long time. Jen Hecht, Paul Pruitt. Happy birthday, dude. Joseph Keith, Stephanie Schober Riley, Michael Leslie, Grant Perry, Hardy Clahold, Petra Tia Hoare, Adriana Galvez, J- John Baitarf, Tommy. Tommy Hilton, Heidi Eifert, Vinnie McCracken, happy birthday, Tamaya Colvin, happy birthday. And today's birthdays are Alicia Gilkey, uh, Melanie Watson, Bill Baker, Tanya Martinez, Ken Miller, Ciela Cardona, Jessica Rosado, Dale Benfield, Mala Sa- Sangvi Bartucci, Terry Gentry, Laura Aquino, Bill Ramsey, and last but not least, Irene Chen. Happy birthday, you guys. Let's move on to this week's episode of Something New Every Week. All right. Welcome to this week's episode of Something New Every Week. This week, I am here with my good friend, Taylor Jackson, who's based in uh, Kitchener, Waterloo, Canada. Is that right? That is correct. We, uh, As of this year, we're kind of split between that we have a ski town that's about two hours north of us. So we're kind of split there. We'll talk a little bit more about this, but we're, yeah. we're in two places uh, this year just due to the entire world situation right now. Nice. Um, and you've been at it. 
Taylor's been at it for quite a while now. It's got to be at least a decade now, right? Yeah, man. I would have. <laughs> I think I would have met you. It's it's well over ten years ago now. I think, right? It's got to be in New York. It's gotta um, be. Yeah, in New York. That so maybe not to completely hijack the conversation, <laughs> but um, so the story of how I met you. I don't even know if you know this. Um, we were on DWF together, I believe. Uh-huh. So you were your presence there, and you were kind of the most recognizable, uh, one of the most recognizable voices there. And I saw that you were doing a free talk at B&H. And I was like, this sounds like a great trip or a great reason to go on a trip to New York. So I booked this entire trip to New York around uh, <laughs> around your talk. And I came and I, I got to meet you and it was awesome. And I got to go, that was the second time I I'd remember been in New hanging York out. And, yeah. Yeah. So that was like, I don't know, that's, um, I feel like that uh, I don't even know, know what that that ambition of just like booking trips like that for random opportunities that arise. Um, I feel like has fueled a lot of kind of what I've done since then, um, which is kind of I don't know interesting and and weird that I would book an entire trip around like a free thing you were doing at B and H or something like that. Yeah, I remember. I think I remember that B and H talk, and I think it was I was doing. Um, by the way, that B and H space there. Uh, is just a, is a great little space that I don't think a lot of people know about. And, uh, David Brommer, it's David, I think, uh, it was the one who programs all that content there and he does a great job and, and, uh, it's, it's a totally random space inside the store, but, um, you know, it was only 15, he had asked me to do it. And I think I used that talk as a way to kind of prime some other lighting things that I had done, um, and I think it was for that 25 DVD that I that I did, which I still have. And actually, this spring, I want to actually redo that 25. So, but and not to hijack because this is supposed to be about you, but I did a lighting DVD called 25, and we took 25 unique lighting setups and um, just made very simple, small, portable portrait setups, um, and we outlined them. We shot them over two nights in some dank hotel room in New Jersey. And uh, I wish I should just release those videos because they're hilarious. Um, But anyway, um, yeah, I remember hanging out that day. And, uh, um, you know, I think one of the reasons that I did want to interview you is um, you are one of those guys who hustles and, you know, does things and you have the travel bug like I do. You love to travel and you love being out there and, um, those are the kinds of things that I that I want to talk to you about. But I do want to get back to so you're based in Canada, and um, and um, you know I know it's been it's been really hard for you um, over this last year with the restrictions that you guys have. Um, but I don't I you know I did a whole episode last week on I've really been trying to get away from the coronavirus in general. <laughs> it's literally like 52 episodes about the coronavirus, so. <laughs> I know it will be part of this conversation, but um, you've been shooting weddings for a long time. And then one of the areas that I want to focus on, you know, based on, you know, you just doing things is you have a YouTube channel that now has over half a million subscribers. And I've been going through some of the videos that you've done. Such cool stuff. Um, And it basically looks like you um, just vlog what, you enjoy doing and that's that's an amazing thing so walk me through your walk me through this walk me through i wake up one morning it's been it looks like it's been about a year now you've been doing it right yeah it's um it's been a very slow rise to success so basically everything that i do on youtube is kind of what 
I recommend regardless of what style of photography you're getting into or video production, like go out and just start building your own portfolio. Uh Um, So that's essentially what we did for YouTube. Uh, So my YouTube channel is both kind of, there's a lot of wedding photography content on there, but the main production and the main production value I think is our travel content. And almost, I'm going to say like five or six years ago, we started kind of loosely producing a series. It was, it was essentially a vlog. It still is a vlog, I guess. Um, but it was just myself. I would be hired to go do a job somewhere that had somewhere that I would maybe have to be in Montreal or I'd have to be in Vancouver or whatever. And I would, film just kind of a short like maybe three four minute travel segment on that or if we were down south for a wedding like I would do both the the wedding video but I would also be doing kind of a vlog as well like to show a little bit of the behind the scenes of the travel process and maybe some of the side shoots because if you go down south for a wedding it's rarely just the wedding it's there's like a before shoot and after shoot and kind of whatever you want to make it um so I kind of just started making those into a little travel series that we called a photographer in. Um, I named it that for SEO right. because I was like, Hey, if I'm a photographer in dot, dot, dot Montreal, that's a good name for an episode. And also <laughs> if someone's ever searching for a photographer in Montreal, um, that's like the SEO headline. Interesting. Uh, so we just kind of did that. And I just tried to go to as many places as I could. And from that, eventually um, it kind of allowed me to pitch Nikon on, essentially the same concept just with better production value and a little bit of a budget so I can actually bring some friends to help film Mm -hmm. um, rather than doing everything myself. So that's kind of how that, um, that Avenue, which is probably about 50% of my YouTube channel, um, kind of grew and it was all just like, go out, build it yourself. Um, and then show proof of concept to companies and get them involved and get them kind of like at, at some point, you kind of have to be like, okay, what what do you guys want from a brand perspective? And this is what I want to do. Let's meet somewhere in the middle. So like, I'll use your product. We'll feature it a certain number of times. Maybe I'll talk about it. Maybe we'll do some side videos based specifically on product. Uh-huh. And if that allows me the funding to go out and do the key piece of content, which is like the main episode and have full control over that, like that sounds like an awesome gig to me. So there's um, there's no real rules, I, I don't think yet in this um <laughs> kind of content marketing brand. I don't, I don't even know what it is officially, um, <laughs> but it, it's fun. And you get to, you get, you get some unique and interesting opportunities, which is, I think what I'm kind of after more than anything um, in life. Yeah. And you know, like I'm, it, what I find interesting is, is that like, you, I mean, your videos are definitely, they're all over the place. I mean, it's obviously Nikon based, <laughs> but like, it's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's everything from, you know, this and that. And, and, you know, um, you know they're well edited. I'll give you that. So the, <laughs> there's that. There's that part. But you know, I, I find YouTube to be so interesting because, you know, most of the YouTube content out there is just, you know, people doing what they find you know, they love doing, right? And then they just do it. But you know, finding the success of getting, you know, a half million subscribers is that's a huge win. And that doesn't happen by accident. And, you know, for creative people in general, it's we all have great ideas. And, you know, that's what drives us. But it's the execution of like, getting through a year's worth of episodes, you know, Mm -hmm. and most people peter out within a few weeks. And that's why you know, it's a small accomplishment for me, but getting to the 52nd episode of this podcast is just a ridiculous win for me. And I don't have a huge following on this podcast. It's it, but it's growing 
a little bit every week. And yeah. so my question to you, and you know, so like one of the things that I did alongside with the podcast is I did start a YouTube channel and I petered out pretty much five, six weeks in. And I, I think I want to get back to it. I, I have a 1,100 subscribers. Nice. <laughs> so I'm at least at the point where you could start, you know, they add you to the monetiz- monetization part of it. Yeah. Um, so I've made $9 so far. And Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but are there some tips, you know, like from what I've, from what I've found is you kind of just, you get two, 300 followers and then you keep putting content together. But at some point, there's one video that just takes off. And then it's usually just a matter of keeping to create content. Like, is there a story there? The, um, I think the story is kind of the, the 10 year overnight success is that you just keep building (laughs) content. Um, And then you, you also like kind of what I did was that I went back through everything that I'd created on different channels and figured out a way to make that content as part of my YouTube channel. Um, and it's all about just kind of testing and seeing what works. And unfortunately when it comes down to it, a lot of it is your title and your thumbnail. Um, that's like the majority of at least if YouTube shows your thumbnail and title to a thousand people, and one person clicks on it, they're likely not going to show that to another thousand people. Um, so there has to be an element of almost like clickbait that delivers. Uh-huh. Um, and then also just a really engaging, really interesting and relevant um, thumbnail. And which which sucks because that's like the, the essentially the free part of making a video, like all the production of like us flying somewhere to create something and editing and the maybe 100 hours that I spent on a project. Um, that doesn't really matter if I don't have a great thumbnail and title. Um, so that's the bummer of it. But at the end of the day, YouTube's kind of, at least for myself, it's a search engine. So when people right. are on there, um, I don't really compete in the vlog space. I've tried. I, I, I feel like it just doesn't go over as well for me as well as it goes over for somebody like Peter McKinnon. Um, and kind of the same with growing a channel from nothing when you're starting, it's very discouraging because you keep putting out content and it's just not getting traction, not getting traction. You're spending all these hours and it's just, it's not going anywhere. Um, and I still feel like that whenever I try to do something that is um, completely out of the the realm of what people would expect on my channel. Um, fortunately, my channel is kind of all over the place in the photography space. So people are a little more accepting when I'm like, hey, this winter I'm going to do a snowboard film. And <laughs> Like, and people will be like, yeah, that, that sounds right. Or two years ago, I was like, I'm into this winter project where um, I just produce a bunch of music and I do a documentary behind the scenes. And that went over super poorly, but it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> right. Nobody watched that. My, although my, I, I made a song about pizza and it's like absolutely blown up on TikTok. Um, but outside of that, like no views on Spotify or no listens on Spotify, but um, it was just trying something new and seeing kind of what would happen. Yeah, um, because the algorithm changes and people's interests change. And I feel like music producers, I just watched the, uh, it's a little bit old now, but the Dr. Dre um, documentary that's now up on, I think it's on Netflix now. Yeah. Um, it was definitely worth the watch, but it's it's interesting around the time prior to um, him meeting Eminem is that he didn't know what, like he was making music and no one was listening to it. And he had no idea what was going on. He's like, I don't know what people want to listen to. Like I've crossed this bridge from being somebody that produced all kinds of music that everybody wanted to listen to. And now all of a sudden 
in this like five year span, I've produced nothing that even resonates with anyone. Like what is going on? Uh Um, And then he finds Eminem and then all of a sudden they blow it up into like basically his, the second half of his career all from that. So I feel like you kind of always have to be looking for, you have to do what works, but then also be looking for what's next. And if stuff's just not resonating, like you can't, you can't fight the market and just like keep producing down that channel. Like it, it's just not going to go anywhere. So on some level, if it is a business, um, you kind of have to find that, that balance between business and art if you want it to be your full-time job. And it's as an artist, stressful to give that up as a business person, you feel like you're almost like it's this weird. You're almost like taking advantage. Like it feels dirty almost um, when you're producing content that you know is going to be more successful, that you're not, maybe you're 80% as invested as you would have been um, on another project, but you know that it's going to be better. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's a weird balance, but you just, I I like the experimentation of it um, when things work and sometimes they don't. And, Sometimes he's produced a bunch of music about pizza. Yeah. And, and, you know, I can't stress enough about, you know, these personal projects that turn into more important projects as photographers. And I, I it's weird because I feel like, you know, we used to do these projects to be better photographers. And now we're doing these projects because it's a YouTube channel or a TikTok yeah. channel. And, you know, I hear the dirty part, right? You know, like you you just want to do something for fun, but then you're just chasing this, 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 you know, these views and, and you know, subscribers and, you know, and, and it's like going through a YouTube channel. I mean, uh, what I'm discovering is that, you know, the photography world in general is a very small niche. And yes. the reason that guys like Peter McKinnon are successful is because it's such a broad topic, right? And it's, it's, it's all over the place. So, you know, you know, it's, that's given me a lot of like pause, like to think about, like, I only know the photography world. I know it well, and I know so many of the players in, 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 in our space, but like, it was a little bit of a learning lesson for me by doing, you know, I just did a 20 minute, you know, my coronavirus story on my podcast and that's stupid. Last week's podcast has the most listens of any other podcast that I've done. And I'm like, all I did was talk about how sick I was, but that's what everyone wants to hear. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, they're like they're that it's really frustrating to me. I'm so happy and thankful that people cared enough about me to listen to it. And, but that's the one, you know, and then I'm looking at your YouTube channel and it looks like you're the one with the most views is your portrait photography tips is 217,000 views. And um, I know the reason that it probably has the most views. It's because in parenthesis, it says for for natural light portraits, right? So that's the one that's going to get the most views. I mean, maybe there's something else there. Maybe it got linked to something and and something like that. But like, you know, uh, that, that this part of the content creation is, is, is really interesting to me, but you know, Bottom line is, is that, you know, again, I can see that, you know, you love to travel and you've, you've, you've taken your love and you've managed to find a way to pay for that a little bit. Um, I mean, maybe you're doing very well with it. It's none of my business. Um, but you know, it, it, the bottom line is, is that you've taken a project and you've been very successful with it. So, all right, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit and then, <laughs> sure. and ask you, um, what would be your advice to somebody? Give me like two or three things. Um, let's not start at the beginning because the bottom line is you just need to create content. 
let's say you're 10, 15, 20 videos in, where do you, what, what was your learning experience from that point? Um, I'm going to say I spent, I started my YouTube account in 2008, I think okay. 2009, maybe. And I've made videos every single year, not a lot, maybe like three or four videos every year. Um, probably for the first seven or eight years. Um, my problem was that I just didn't really have a specific focus that in the beginning you can be anything. And that is both a blessing and a curse that you try something and you're like, okay, this didn't work. I'm going to try something completely different. Um, and all of a sudden you make five different videos that are in five completely different spaces. Um, what I would say specifically if somebody wants to create within the photography niche is that our market in all honesty, like we're the photography market's getting smaller every single year with the rise of smartphones. So you really have to pin down what you want to be within that industry and what you want to teach and what you want to get really good at. Um, uh, one of the cool things I think is that people want to see your building process. So you don't have to be the best portrait photographer right now in the world right. to start a YouTube channel and to do that. Uh, that if you start and your photos are okay and you own a 51.8, and a Canon like T3 and you can create something that's kind of good with that and you can bring people on the process and they can kind of follow along with you as you get better, as you get maybe the gear that you actually need to be a working professional. Um, people really seem to attach to, to, that, to that story. So I think that's something that's really big. Um, and then once you get that critical mass is at that point, um, I guess like we'll use Peter McKinnon as another example, that he started out kind of in the tutorial space, in the talking about gear space and realized that um, like your coronavirus story, the more you can pivot to a general topic, once you have that following, um, the, the more pop you're going to see from that. That if yeah. you just try to make a video right now, like, um, and you try to emulate something else that's super popular and has 100 million views on YouTube right now, you're not going to see any success off that. You're going to see very, very limited views. But if you generate that following and then you figure out something that you can do kind of within that space that is relevant to where you came from, that's also general enough um, to attract more of an audience. Like YouTube's entire thing, they just want people to consume content and to watch ads on their page. So um, another thing, I guess, is, is figuring out where the ad dollars are actually coming from to kind of um, I guess like niche down on something like for instance, if you're a financial advisor, you're probably making double or triple the CPM that I'm making in the photography space. So CPM right. is basically like um, ad revenue. So if somebody's a financial advisor, they're literally making three times more per view than I am in the photography space. And that all just comes down to advertising. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of figuring out and, and playing your strengths and figuring out, what can work and especially if you want to make it a business you obviously have to have the passion behind it because it's a job that is just like you it's like any entrepreneurship path that you take that you'll work 10 times harder right now um or 10 times harder over the next couple of years in order to make the rest of your life amazing so um yeah that's kind of my thoughts on that and uh cool that's 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 great advice uh as far as have you know putting these things together as far as videos are concerned is there uh have you i don't know what the question is is there is there you know some gear that you're using now that's let's let's get the gear part because we're photographers yeah. right <laughs> are, you, are you focusing on you know looks like a lot of the stuff you do is pretty run and gun so mm -hmm. um how are you how are you shooting it 
pretty much everything is on everything's on mirrorless now. I don't even own a digital SLR right now, right. which is kind of weird to say. Um, for YouTube, so I do a lot of work with Nikon in the photography space, but for YouTube, I actually produce everything on a Canon R6 because it okay. has a front-facing screen, and I just need that like run and gun style. You can hook an Atomos recorder up to the to the Z6 II, and it's great. But okay. um, in the field, that just doesn't really work. You just need the the silliness of that front-flipping screen. Gotcha. Um, so I run pretty much everything on that and the the 15 to 35 2.8, which are so impossible to find right now. I don't know what happened this year, but like you can't buy any like any of the stuff you want to buy. It's like, yeah, that's on that's been on back order since July. Like, good luck. Um, so I ordered one in I think I ordered it in June and it came in the first week of December. And it's wow. like a lens that they've like been manufacturing. So um So you're digging yeah. the R6, huh? Yeah, I like it. It's um, it does everything that I need for for a video production camera as far as YouTube goes, um, and then for all my weddings and everything, I'm still shooting the the Nikon system. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's um, there's like everything is good now, which is like the, the hardest <laughs> choice because it's like, oh, what kind of camera should I buy? It's like, oh shit, like everything is great right now. There is no bad choice that you can make. It's just all based on those like tiny little preferences. Like, oh, I do need that front screen, so that basically narrows it to, okay, I can go Sony a seven S three, or I can go Canon R six and save some money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then specifically like us shooting snowboard films, if I happen to demo a camera, um, I, I still, I get one, one more camera in the amount of money that it would have cost me to buy a, one of the Sony a seven S three. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. No, the R six is definitely going to give them a run for their money. What about mm-hmm. audio? Cause that's always the hardest part for, for photographers. Yeah. Um, audio has been a learning curve. I feel like there is as much to learn in audio as there is about all of video production. For sure. Um, I personally, I use, um, a task cam. It's called a DR 10 L it's, uh-huh. um, it's a stand standalone recorder pack. It doesn't transmit wirelessly. I've had, um, well basically we, when we're recording in places that have a lot of radio signals, we just get stepped on and it's just like something that I don't want to deal with. Yeah. Um, so we go standalone recorder pack and then we use, um, I think it's like the, and the Rode NTG video mic. So it's like the okay. one that actually um, goes into the your microphone port on your camera. Uh-huh. Um, but it's the NTG uh, sound profile, which I really like from like kind of the production side of things. Uh-huh. Um, I found that the regular video mic pro is just like a little bit too bassy, a little too, too poppy. I feel like the NTG is a little more natural. Uh-huh. Um, and it comes with some little bonus features as well, like the like a little wheel on the back to select if you the number between one and 10 as far as volume goes. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been using. We usually for anything important, we're running both the standalone pack um, on whoever we're talking to. And then the shotgun microphone just kind of pointed at the scene. Um, and we sync everything in Pluralize, um, which is a program that basically yeah. just takes multi cameras and multi audio sources and glues it all together and shows you a really fancy animation while it's doing it, which <laughs> makes you feel like you're, you're working really hard. <laughs> So you're going out with a, with a couple people to shoot these now. Yeah. It's yeah. um well, it depends. Like the the snowboard project we're working on right now is uh-huh. um because it's like uh, the, I guess the main thing for recording any sort of snowboard ski film is that you when you're in the backcountry, like you have to be a very capable skier or snowboarder. Um and it's very difficult. I didn't realize how difficult it was to actually find um, somebody that's like amazing and can ride in the backcountry and can also run a camera. Um, so a lot of it is kind of myself and self-filming and setting up like a little tripod and sure. whatnot now. Um, but usually we're bringing kind of two people with us. So okay. um, 
yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's nice. It's like, I would say that my goal kind of in life was always to just be able to do cool stuff with my friends and figure out a way to get paid for it. So <laughs> I think in like, in that regard, that the stuff we've done with Nikon and a lot of the YouTube content that we've been making is like kind of the pinnacle of success that I get to choose my team. We get to go out there. We get to do what we want to do within reason um, and get to have fun. So it's um, yeah, it's like, it's a dream come true overnight success, probably 15 years in the making. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you've worked really hard and, and, you know, I, you know, I'm always happy to see my friends uh, succeed and, you know, you know, really get, you've worked hard and, you know, um, I'm, I'm really happy to see you having some success with this stuff and doing the things that you love. Cause that's, that's what this is all about, man. Right. So let's, yeah. um, we're going to wrap up in a few minutes, but, um, talking about weddings, uh, mm -hmm. coronavirus, Canada is obviously a lot more locked down. Um, what does your year look like as far as weddings are concerned? Mm -hmm. uh, I made a video on my YouTube channel end of last year being like 2021 is going to be the craziest season ever because <laughs> all my weddings got pushed from 2020 to 2021. And now a lot of them are already pushed to 2022. Um, that if it's um, if it's somebody and they want to have more than our realistic limit is going to be like 50 to 100 people likely for a wedding. If they want to have that 200 person wedding, they're pushing to 2022 at this point. So oh, um, 2022 is... I have more Thursdays booked on that already in 2022 than I've ever seen in my life. Um, I probably have, I mean, I guess t at least 10 or 15 Thursdays already booked, which means that the, the Friday, Saturday, Sundays are also booked because those are the prime wow. venue dates and people are getting pushed to, to weird dates to basically to accommodate their venue so they don't lose their deposit or whatever it might be if they still want to get married in the summer. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be... And your season is so short to begin with in Canada to begin with. Yeah. Um, the the positive that I will mention and the positive that I saw end of last year, so we kind of opened up September, October, and I did, I think I almost did like 40 weddings within that period. So from like September to the maybe the first or second week in November, um, I'll do the math, but I think it's between 30 and 40 weddings. <laughs> and they were all like Tuesdays, Thursdays, Wednesdays, whatever. Wow. Um, very few Saturdays, actually, which is surprising. Um <laughs> But the cool thing is that they were all two to four hour bookings. So like the most I'd be there is for four hours. So I get to that arrive. Like we do some getting ready coverage. <laughs> we get to do some photos with the with the couple. I do a ceremony, some family photos, and I'm out. And it feels like because the budgets, basically everyone was spending their um, their deposit budget on the wedding, it felt like I was showing up to a styled shoot every single time I shot a wedding. Cool. And everyone was just so stoked to be getting married. And it's like all their immediate family there. There's no longer any stress of like, having a big day or anything. It's just like, so these are the people that I most wanted here. This is our style shoot. Yeah. Um, like, please, please take pictures. So yeah. from a selfish photographer perspective, it it's was awesome. like the best year ever. Um, and that's pretty much what I'm looking at in 2021 as well is like all of these really short bookings um, that I am surprisingly like excited to be going out and doing. And it seems like most of my couples, um, it kind of goes, it, it goes on one side of the fence, either like I am so fed up, screw this wedding, let's just get it done. Right. Or we're so excited that like we're actually able to have the wedding that we wanted. We didn't want to have that 300 person wedding. That was my mom's dream. Um, <laughs> and, and quite honestly, like it's, it's an excuse. Like I'm, quiet and shy and introverted. And a lot of my couples are the same, like, like attracts, like so many of my wedding couples are kind of the same that they're like, it's weird that we have to hire a photographer, but like, 
I, I think we want the photos. Uh, <laughs> and now I get to show up to like a smaller day where they're actually themselves and comfortable and um, another huge step for dealing with um, people that are introverted and not comfortable in front of a camera is the warm-up time that when I arrive at a wedding, if there's so many people around, it's such a challenge to get people to just be themselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that takes half the day. Sometimes that you don't even get there. Sometimes they never become themselves um, on their wedding day, which is a bit weird. Um, but I find that in those 10, 15 person wedding days that it's like within 10 minutes, they're like, Hey Taylor. And I'm just like part of their family instantly. That's um, awesome. Which is really, really awesome. So I, I, I am having a lot of fun, um, within the weddings that are happening. Um, but yeah, I'll be, I'll be excited to get back to the, to the venues and the places that, um, I don't know, like just, it's going to be so weird. The first like 200 person wedding, I don't even, how, there's going to be some serious PTSD about that. I, I agree. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I keep going back and forth about whether or not, you know, uh, 2022s is, I believe that it's just going to be an explosion of parties, like mm-hmm. raves and people just <laughs> going out of their freaking minds, you know? Um, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really curious to see what happens with big weddings and whether or not they're going to come back as people discover that, Hey, I can have a really great wedding for, with 50 people and build a great experience, especially on the millennial side, right? Mm -hmm. Build just a a beautiful experience with great food and styled shoots and, and all that stuff. I'm, you know, you've been in this industry long enough to know that there's a pivot within the, the, our, our wedding world just totally changes every 10 or 15, 11 years and I'm really curious whether or not things just come back to normal or whether or not it's it's going to be uh uh it's going to take a while for people I mean what do you think it's um I don't know I I try to make educated guesses and I try (laughs) to stay positive so um I think that positive things like like quite honestly like if if weddings did pivot to be smaller like I'm totally cool with that like that that sounds great. My couples would be very happy that that becomes the norm. That will that change no your marketing? Expected. Do you think you're going to focus more on that, or you're just going to uh, like, listen, man, I need to work? And I think so. I think that like if it's what I enjoy, yeah. um, and it's what I think that my ideal couples would enjoy. Like at the end of the day, I want to be marketing towards people that just like kind of aren't my friends yet. That it, very easily we could be friends, and I feel like in marketing um, that that's who I would always be kind of trying to get in touch with, um, over the internet. So I think that that's kind of maybe the future for, for my business. Mm. Um, but it is interesting cause like wedding prices just have, I, I feel like there's already kind of been a reset within even the past five or six years that at some point, well, you know, you're like in New York city, like what was a wedding cake at some point? Like you could spend like 15, $20,000 <laughs> on like a wedding cake yeah. and that kind of reset a little bit. Like I, I don't, I don't see that happening as much in Toronto anymore. Um, so maybe there was already kind of this like pre little like, hey, maybe let's like build a house rather than just spending a house on our wedding. Right. Um, that kind of already happened. Yes. Um, I can I can feel it within my group of friends for sure huh. that they're like, we would rather just do something small and actually like buy a boat or buy a cottage or something like that. That's going to be right. future beneficial to us forever. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It'll be it'll be interesting. I'm I'm excited. Like as far as a strange period to be alive in the history of the world, like this is going to be in history books for forever. So yeah, it's, for sure. um, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be weird for us to reflect on this, like 
20, 30 years from now and, <laughs> and see well, what's changed. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're doing well and you're keeping busy and you're safe and healthy, unlike myself. Uh, <laughs> although I'm here, so I'm happy about that. But uh, it is really great to catch up with you. And uh, we'll put links to your YouTube channel. And uh, from out of my own selfishness, I want to get some links to some of the audio gear that you... And, you know, as always, we put put those links in the, the show notes. And, uh, dude, thanks for being on this week's episode of Something New every week. Well, thanks for having me. And I'm happy that you're feeling a little bit better. Thanks, buddy. Thanks again for tuning into Something New every week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you do enjoy these episodes, I love it if you hit that subscribe button on however you're listening to this. Again, we want to thank our sponsor, Miller's Lab, millerslab.com. Great company. If you're not familiar with them, you should go check them out. Thanks again for tuning into Something New every week. We will see you back here next week.